Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Kate Bryan, is an Emmy-nominated producer, writer, speaker, storyteller, and host of the One Girl Revolution podcast and founder of One Girl Revolution. She holds a bachelor's degree in liberal arts from Franciscan University of Steubenville and a master's degree in public affairs and political communication from the Dublin Institute of Technology in Ireland. Kate worked in public relations and media for 15 years and founded One Girl Revolution in an effort to tell the stories of everyday women and girls that are so often ignored, forgotten, and marginalized. Kate decided to use her PR and media skills to create a multimedia platform that is dedicated to telling the authentic stories of women and girls who are changing the world through their lives. Kate's first short documentary, The Girl Inside, was nominated for an Emmy Award in December of 2021, and her second documentary, In Tandem, was released in May of 2022. Kate has appeared on numerous television and radio programs, and she speaks regularly on a variety of issues, including world-changing women, female empowerment, culture, the importance of storytelling, forgotten about populations, the power of one, and how we have the power to change the world, and so much more. Kate, every time I hear your bio and all the greatness you've done, I just sit here with my jaw dropped like, can you be any more amazing? And you're just so impressive. So thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Angela. And you are so impressive. And I'm just so honored to be on your podcast. I love listening to everything, all the guests you have and following everything that you're doing. So I'm just honored to be a part of the fold now. You're amazing. And for those of you listening, Kate is one of those people I like to relate to as a warm hug of a person. So you talk to Kate, you just feel warm and fuzzy and you you leave just being amazed. And I just always feel good talking to you. So I'm excited for this. Yay, same. I want to throw it way back. So talk to me on what did you want to do when you grew up? Or let's talk about what your childhood was like. When I was little, um, I wanted to be a doctor for the longest time. So I was born with a really rare immune deficiency. They didn't find it until I was four years old. Um, When I was four years old, my sister also has it and she was a baby. We were diagnosed at University of Michigan with something called Job syndrome. Job from the Old Testament, Job from the Bible. And people remember if they're familiar with his story, uh, he suffered greatly. So they named it Job because people that were diagnosed with this syndrome would be hospitalized six to eight times a year. They had all kinds of, I had terrible eczema as a little kid where I would just Um, My face was red and I would itch my hair out. So people oftentimes thought I was going through chemo as a little kid, but I just had Job syndrome and I was a really happy, go lucky, feisty little kid. I was very opinionated. (laughs) My parents used to say that I was either going to be the dictator of a small nation or the CEO of a Fortune 500 company when I was four years (laughs) old. So um, that will give you a little insight into the type of person that I was. And it's probably not surprising because now you've gotten to know me. Um, And my siblings could tell all kinds of stories of me being the ringleader, uh, getting into trouble, but also I would keep them all out of trouble. And so my parents would just kind of witness that and giggle about it. And like, you know, I was a spicy little kid, but I suffered a lot as a little kid and was hospitalized numerous times and was constantly at University of Michigan for all of these studies. Because when we were diagnosed, there were only 25 documented cases in the world. And today there are only 250 cases in the world. So it still is very rare. They still don't know how to treat it. They don't really understand it. And mainly my sister and I, we've done a lot with our own health. Um, So while I never became a doctor, I really have learned a lot about health and wellness and 
different supplements and eating habits that have helped us. And so we haven't been hospitalized since we were little kids. But that's all to say that I never became a doctor, uh, but I still have <laughs> always kind of kept that interest in medicine and even just like health and wellness and then also helping people. You know, as a little kid, I wanted to become a doctor because I wanted to help people and I wanted to become a pediatric doctor and help other little kids. I remember going to University of Michigan and oftentimes we would be put in the um, chemo unit um, because they didn't have any unit for us for Job syndrome. And so they would often put us with all these little kids that were like Make-A-Wish Foundation kids and like it's just heartbreaking seeing these little kids that were suffering. And so I always wanted to do something to help. Um, but now I've kind of found a new way to help people through One Girl Revolution and to highlight stories of people that are often forgotten about. And I think, you know, people in hospitals are a forgotten about population. We don't, unless our family member is in the hospital or our family member is a child going through cancer or our family member, no matter what age they are, is going through cancer. Like we don't often um, relate to those stories. And so what I'm doing with One Girl Revolution is really highlighting stories to open people's eyes, to open all of our eyes to things that are going on in our world. I love that because it is so interesting and fun fact. I don't know if you know this about me, but I went to Catholic school up until high school. So I know all Bible left and right. And I've never met someone that had Job syndrome. So this is really crazy. I never, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. And two of us are in Michigan, two of the 250. Which is, <laughs> which is crazy that you and your sister now do they, I'm just curious about this. Obviously, they don't know where it comes from, I'm guessing, but do they have some type of guess of or what or I guess hypothesis of where this comes from and how you and your sister both have it? So they think that it's genetic. I mean, our kids could honestly have it. They don't really know exactly like does it skip a generation? So we're pretty sure that my maternal grandmother probably had it. She had eczema, but it was before the time of we've made so many medical discoveries and we've come so far I mean since she was younger but she had all kinds of eczema and skin issues growing up and then she just kind of would be like well this is just how I deal with it and my sister and I and my mom was a woman before her time she was like before Whole Foods was a thing and Trader Joe's and like organic food my mom was like finding the little co-op and taking um, BHT and MSG any kind of chemicals out of our food as little kids and she just ended up changing our lives and she saved our lives honestly now we have all of those resources but I think in my grandmother's time most likely she had it it probably skipped a generation came to us so most likely it'll skip a generation um so our grandchildren could have it but they still just don't really know because I'm on um I'm actually on a Facebook page about Job syndrome and there are people around the world that have it or they have a family member with it and it's so fascinating to read their stories because even I know there's one person in Israel that their child has it. And so it's going to be really interesting, I think, even in the next 10 or 20 years to see how research on Job syndrome, but also on so many other things, like where we go from here, because there's so much going on in our world and even, you know, cancers. I know so many different cancers. My mom um, had cholangiocarcinoma and passed away in September of that. But that was that's a really rare cancer that they don't really know anything about. And so I think 20 years from now, it's going to be fascinating to see how medicine continues. Well, I've learned and I have a few friends that actually have MS, like young, like got diagnosed in their 20s. And 
someone found that it was a link to like a certain population of Eastern European women in Italy, like linked way back. And there's now like finally research on it. And two people that I know that have it both like fit in this category and one's in Pennsylvania, one's in Michigan. So it's just like, it's interesting to see what research will come of this and kind of track. And I love that you're putting this out there to be on more people's radar because it wasn't on my radar. I, I heard about it like, you know, in Catholic school, but I'm like, yeah, what is that? So it's so interesting. And we need to talk about these things in our lives, too. I, I remember seeing there was a, a show on Discovery and they were covering like really rare medical issues that people had or medical things that they had. And there was a little girl that was seven years old that had Job syndrome. It was the first time, Angela, that I'd ever heard Job syndrome talked about outside of my family, you know, and that was probably right. five years ago. And so I think it's really interesting to get that research. And I'll be curious, like like you mentioned about MS, like they haven't quite figured out exactly where Job syndrome comes from and like, you know, what are kind of the connecting dots to people that have it. But it's going to be interesting. Now, transitioning topics on this, where did you have that? I'm guessing I feel like everyone does that starts their own business, that light bulb moment of like, where did you kind of have the like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be a doctor. So I decided that I didn't want to be a doctor probably in high school, I would say, you know, the time when you're starting to figure out like, okay, where do I want to go to school? And for a long time, I wanted to go to like, University of Michigan, you know, just because it was cool and I could wear like the University of Michigan hoodie or whatever, not for any reason, not for any real reason, um, just because I thought it would be fun. And I liked Ann Arbor. And I just was like a kid in high school that didn't know what I wanted to do, which I think is most people. I'm I've always been jealous of the friends and I have friends that like from five years old, they always knew that they wanted to be a doctor and they wanted to be something and they just like followed that trajectory And that was never really me. And I never really loved school. So I think in high school, once I started realizing how long you have to go to school to become a doctor or do anything in medicine, I was like, no, nah, I'm I'm good. I don't need to be a doctor. I can help people in other ways. So, yeah. So I went to college, uh, went to Franciscan University of Steubenville and got a liberal arts degree because even then I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that's also beautiful. And I wish more people would talk about that to young people because there's so much pressure at 18 years old to figure out exactly what you want to do. And you can say that about a lot of different things, too. Like even once you get out of college, okay, well, what are you going to do now? What's your job? What's your career? Where do you go from here? Are you going to get married? Who are you going to marry? There's just like so much pressure on young people. And thankfully, like my parents have always just been like they lived a lot of life before they got married. Uh, My mom was like a woman before her time, like I mentioned before about like the medical stuff, but also she was one of the first female telephone installers for Michigan Bell, which is now AT&T. Awesome. Um, She like lived a whole lot of life. She was like a baller, like badass woman. So my parents really instilled that within my siblings and I. So there wasn't that pressure of choosing a career, even going into college. I just chose classes that I wanted to take and things that I was interested in and things that I wanted to learn and I wanted to be challenged and I wanted to learn about the world. Got out, worked for AT&T, so randomly like applied for a job in um, the engineering department and got it because I had people skills. I had no engineering background whatsoever. I had a liberal arts degree from a little Catholic university, but they gave me a job. And so I worked really hard. And then in the 2008 election, I have there are so many light bulb moments, Angela, in my in my life. <laughs> I love this. I 
believe that you don't have to die to have many lives. And I think that that's so important. And that's also so important to all the people that are listening. We can get in these stuck moments where it's like, okay, well, things aren't going exactly how I think that they should go. Or, you know, we have ideas of what success is. And I think sometimes we have to just kind of let go and let life take us on the path that it's supposed to take us. And you could say that about your business too. Like there are things that have happened. And I know we're going to talk about one girl, like there are things that have happened with one girl revolution that I never in a million years could have fathomed, but I strive to be open and I want to control it. I want to control the path of where it's going and what's happening. But there are so many beautiful surprises because I've kind of let go. And I'll say that about my life worked for AT&T for a couple of years. And then in the 2008 election, I still didn't know like what I wanted to do. And the 2008 election with Barack Obama, uh, John McCain, Sarah Palin, fascinating to me that there was a woman um, as a vice president candidate. And um, I just was fascinated by the political discourse and the debates on TV. And then that was around the time of Facebook really starting to take off. You know, it's nowhere. It was nowhere near what it is today. But that's when people started having these like political discussions online and debates. And that just changed my life. I was fascinated by political discourse and not even like taking a political side, but I was just fascinated by everything that was happening. And at that moment, I decided I was like, I want to get into political communication. I want to be a commentator on CNN or wherever. And I want to get into politics. And so little did I know, Angela, that I would go to Ireland, get into this master's program that was public affairs and political communications. I saw the dark side and I will say the dark side everywhere in politics, all over Europe, uh, in Ireland, Washington, D.C. I lived for many years and saw the dark side of politics and just got burnt out. And I was like, you know what? That's not where you change the world. You don't change the world. Yes, politics is important. Yes, everybody's beliefs, they're important. Like you shouldn't stand for something. It's important to vote. Like I'm not saying that. But where do we really change things? And that's in our communities. That's in the world. That's with our neighbors. We need to change things in the world. And so I lived in Ireland for a couple of years, worked in public affairs and political communications, political communications, but also did um, PR for different companies over there and then decided to move back to the States to be closer to my family, um, but moved to D.C., lived in D.C. for six years. I thought it would only go for one, but ended up there for over six years and working for a variety of different organizations and companies and uh, living my best life, you know, making great money had a great career in PR and I just got burnt out and I just got to the point where I wasn't happy in DC and I wanted to move back to Michigan and had no idea what I would do. Um, Coming back, I could obviously like apply to a PR firm here, but I didn't want to work in a PR firm anymore. I was like, I was burnt out by that. So about four years ago, I moved back to uh, Michigan And I started just picking up little like PR contract work um, for different groups here, um, different companies here in Michigan. And then I had friends that were still kind of like throwing me projects from D.C. or other places. And I had this spark moment because I was reading a book. Um, Many people, especially people that listen to your podcast, will be familiar with Charlie LaDuff. And he wrote this great book about Detroit. So it's an autopsy of Detroit. And he tells all these like, wild stories. And he's an eccentric character anyways. If anybody's seen an interview with him on TV, like he's very eccentric. 
I appreciate a lot about him, but I really loved this book that he wrote about Detroit. And a friend had given it to me when I was moving back to Detroit. And so I'm like reading it, trying to figure out where I'm going to be or what I'm going to do, or should I just keep doing PR? And I landed on this line in his book, and he talked about the two phrases on Detroit's flag that are in Latin. I've never paid attention to them. I studied Latin in college, but never paid attention to the flag. And the two phrases are, it will rise from the ashes and there is always hope. And Angela, the moment that I read those two phrases, I was like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I need to start a platform for women. Women always rise from the ashes. Like you look around in your friend group, Angela, you look around with colleagues, um, people in the world, people that we come across, like women are the most resilient beings in our world. They've come through hell and back. They have all these amazing stories to tell. And there aren't enough spaces for women's voices to be heard. And I knew from my own PR experience and my experience in D.C., women, when it comes to media, are so often treated as political pawns and we're politicized. Everything is divisive. So it's us versus them. And so I at that moment, when I read those two phrases, I was like, I need to start something for women that brings women together, that focuses on our commonality so we don't talk about politics. Of course, people's like belief system or their faith or other things like might come up because, of course, it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our stories, part of oftentimes why we do what we do. You know, why are you doing this good, you know, in the world, helping the homeless or helping survivors of human trafficking or survivors of domestic violence? Um, We all have a reason why we do what we do, good and bad. That may come up, but I started One Girl Revolution as a space to highlight the stories of women and girls that are changing the world through their lives. And it started as a podcast. And I thought if I could just do 10 episodes of the podcast, that would be something to make a difference, make an impact. And instead, it's turned into 167 episodes of the podcast, two documentaries, an Emmy nomination, and it just continues to grow. So that's a lot. That were There were a lot of light bulb moments in there, but that's a bit about my story. And what did it feel like? I remember my jaw just dropping when I heard like Emmy nominated and I whipped my head around at M3 to see. I'm like, who is this girl that's got an Emmy? Like got an Emmy nomination? Who is this? So you were always on my radar like from day one. But what did that feel like? Like that's got to feel really good. Wow. I It's it's still, Angela, it's one thing that I never in a million years, and like I said before, like we a lot of times want to control how we think that our business is going to go yes, or how we think that our life is going to go. And I am guilty of that every single day. But that's one thing I never in a million years could have ever fathomed that that would have happened. Even on my like 10 year plan, I never would have been like, oh, yeah, I want to get an Emmy nomination. Now I'm like, I want to win an Emmy award. You know, now it's on my radar. Right. But I think that's the beautiful thing. Like The Girl Inside, which is our documentary that's on YouTube. And I know that you'll put it in the show notes or whatever, but I encourage everybody to watch it. It's only 10 minutes. And that documentary, I jokingly, but also very truthfully say that it was my baby um, because it took me nine months to get clearance to take a film crew into Cook County Jail. Jails and prisons do not let film crews come in. Jails and prisons do not let just any random person come in. I literally cold called them. I mean, I had some amazing contacts and amazing people that were really helpful. Um, But it took me nine months to get clearance to take a film crew in. And then even the day that we went in to film the documentary, I didn't know who was going to be in the room. I didn't know what these women were going to 
be feeling like? Would they be closed off and shut down? Would they be excited to talk? Would they want to share about their life? And, you know, I think that the Emmy nomination is just such a beautiful example to the world that these women's voices matter and that just to have even have the Emmys like recognize these women too, it just was such a success. And a couple of them I, I know of um, have gotten out of jail since then. And what a beautiful thing for them to put on their resume that they right? were in an Emmy nominated documentary. And like, what a beautiful thing to celebrate these women and their voices and not look at them as, you know, what they did to get there. We didn't talk about that. I didn't ask them that. We'll say I knew what they had done generally um, because they had to just for safety purposes, the jail had to let me know. Right. Um, which is an interesting backstory like, thing that I haven't really talked about. But they had to let me know who was in the room. But I didn't know which person did what. And I didn't want to know. I just wanted to know who are they? What are their hopes and dreams? Like you asked me, like when you were a little kid, what did you want to be? What were your hopes and dreams? And so I think it's just validation. The Emmy nomination is not just validation for me and for One Girl Revolution that we're on to something, that there are good things happening, but also just validation for these women, but also so many forgotten about populations around the world, too. That is amazing. Where are you taking One Girl Revolution now or what's what are you kind of working on now in the future? Yeah. So big things, really exciting. Um, so we just hit 167 episodes of the podcast, which is amazing. All different stories, all different ages, all different backgrounds. For the most part, we focus on American women because I feel like a lot of times we hear stories of women all over the world who are making a difference, um, but we don't often hear about our neighbors, our sisters, our friends. And so I've been very intentional to focus on American women. We've done a few Canadian women because there are just they're amazing women everywhere. Um, and so we're starting I'm starting to kind of dip my toe into some other places as well. And I'm sure at some point we'll we'll highlight some international stories as well. And it's not to exclude anyone, but I really want to focus on highlighting American women because I don't think that they are often recognized in the same way. And so we're going to continue the podcast in the new year. I'm so excited. I have some really big things planned there. We'll continue to do the one-off stories, but I want to do more discussion episodes. So even bringing women together, maybe even some past guests and then new guests to have discussions about a variety of different topics. Um, I'm working on a series about violence against women and how we combat, you know, that can be anything from domestic violence to the missing and murdered indigenous women, to women who are survivors of human trafficking. And like, there's so many, so many stories to tell. So the podcast will continue in the new year. I have big hopes and dreams for a Detroit-centric documentary. So I already have that one laid out, but it's just figuring out how to get the funding and how to make it happen. Um, but I'm getting closer to that every single day. And then I have so many big hopes and dreams for one girl for the next year, um, but next year is to come. But I just hope to continue to highlight so many stories of women and girls. And I'll encourage your listeners to listen to the podcast. But also, if you know of stories, if you know of women and girls that are making a difference in their communities or using their business, like I love the social enterprise stories. And Amy Peterson, who I know you're going to have on your podcast, who runs Rebel Now, like, what an incredible social enterprise. So I love those kind of stories too, where someone is using their business to either help other people or elevate women's voices or so many different ways to support women and support their causes. And so I'm always looking for stories too. 
I love Amy. Yeah, I know Amy's been just insanity right now. So we'll get her on. I don't know. It might be another year, but I love Amy. So yes, a lot of great places there. Do you have a favorite story or maybe like a top five that really stuck with you or anything like that? Because I mean, you have 167 to choose from plus all the documentaries and everything you do. But yeah, I... Every story, and I'll say this, Angela, every story surprises me. And that's another thing, too, that and I know you experience this with your own podcast, where I go in with a plan, right? Like, you have to have a plan. I always have questions. But every single episode surprises me in some way. And every single woman or girl, because I go in open-minded, I want to learn from them. I want to be challenged. I've had people correct the way that I talk about things, specific issues, and I want to learn. I want to grow. And I think that that's really important in our world and in our culture. But the two documentaries are two of my favorite stories. Um, and we have podcast episodes, actually. So The Girl Inside, I interviewed one of the women who was in, Miss Lily. Um, I interviewed her after she got out of Cook County Jail. So that was really amazing to hear her perspective of like the documentary, like what happened behind the scenes, how she even found out that we were going to be filming, because I didn't know that whole backstory from her. And then she's out and what she's doing now and what she's excited about. So that was really cool. And then Caitlin Cullen, who runs The Tandem, a restaurant in Milwaukee, and she served over 115,000 people in need during the pandemic. So she shut a restaurant down and fed people in need she's amazing. Her documentary is just seven minutes on YouTube and um, it's called In Tandem. But I also did a podcast interview with her. And that was another one that was really cool because it's like, how do you, I can't fit everything into a short documentary, but it's cool hearing like all of the background, like the juicy stories and things that we couldn't fit in. And so those are two that are really special to me. But um, I also love Ruby Chitsy is a really amazing girl. She just was honored on CNN Heroes um, as one of the young heroes. And she is a teenager that when she was nine years old, she would go with her mom. Her mom was a nurse in a senior living facility. And Ruby was really shy, bullied at school, like has this really like sweet spirit about her. Anyway, she ended up going to work with her mom at the senior living facility and started befriending all of these like elderly people. And she started asking them, interviewing them, like, what are three things that you want? Like that you can't get here, whether it was like Coca-Cola in a glass bottle or they wanted to watch Dumbo because that was their favorite movie when they were little or um, they like the cheese crackers with the peanut butter in the middle, whatever the thing is, Oreos, Twinkies. She would interview them and then she started granting their wishes. So at nine years old, this little girl came up with this idea. Aww. Now she's turned it into it's a, an actual nonprofit organization based in Arkansas. She has kids all over the world that are now involved. So they do outreach into their own like senior living facilities in their communities and do the same thing and like do pizza parties in the summer or they'll do Christmas cookie, you know, decorating, whatever the kids in the community want to do, they can take ownership of it. Um, but Ruby Kate Chitsy founded Three Wishes for Ruby's Residence. And that's like, she's just such an inspirational kid. I mean, she's a kid and I like listen to her story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to be doing more. Like, what can I be doing? <laughs> she's this kid. But yeah, there's so many different stories. And I'll just say like, if people go and subscribe you can just scroll through and like see so many different topics whether it's human trafficking or I interviewed somebody recently um, that runs Camp Casey here in Michigan and they do 
horsey house calls where they bring horses to little kids' houses that are going through cancer treatment. Like just amazing creativity. It's just inspirational, all these different women. Oh, I love that. Now, my last two questions I have for you. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? I would say don't worry. Don't worry so much. I think that I, throughout my life, as much as I sounded like a free spirit when I was telling all the different (laughs) stories of things that happened, I think I worried a lot about like, how am I going to provide? How am I going to provide for myself, especially being a a single woman? Like, I want to make sure that I'm like, not just um, destitute, you know, down the line. And um, I think there were different times where I worried or would make not often, but every once in a while I'd make decisions just because I it was the safe choice. I right. obviously hearing my bio and hearing my story, I made a lot of crazy choices, including uh, leaving my job, my cushy job at AT&T and selling my car and moving to Ireland and doing a master's degree and not really knowing. But I would say don't worry. And um, I think also just embrace the journey of life. I think that life is a journey and nothing is perfect and there are going to be difficult moments, but I believe that those will always pass. And we just sometimes have to just put one foot in front of the other. And if we're in a moment where we feel stuck or we don't know what the next step is, just put one foot in front of the other and it's going to be okay. Ooh. And then last question for you, Kate, what advice would you give to listeners or anyone listening to this podcast? I would say just do it. I know that uh, that's like so cliche from Nike, but if you have an idea, whether it's starting a podcast, if you have an idea for some aspect of your business or starting a new business, maybe you already are, you're already doing, you already have your own business, or maybe you're working for somebody else and you're not happy in your job, but you have an idea, hustle, like get it done and do it. And don't wait I got a lot of advice when I first started One Girl. And before I even launched the podcast, a lot of people, my vision for it always was to have the nonprofit arm. So to be a for-profit, but also a nonprofit so that we can support these women in multiple different ways. And a lot of advice that I got, a lot of people gave me one bit of advice. And that was wait until you raise $100,000 and then start it. And Looking back, the greatest thing I did, Angela, was I didn't I didn't have a dollar. I didn't even have a dollar to my name when I started One Girl. And I just did it. I just put one foot in front of the other. And that was the greatest thing because I had to hustle. I had to figure out creative ways to get the podcast done. I've had to figure out creative ways to get the documentaries done. I am so grateful for the rest of my life. I will be grateful to my friend Rob Kazmark and I'll give him a shout out who run Spirit Juice Studios and Behold out of Chicago, who saw my vision for One Girl and believed in it. And we worked together on The Girl Inside and In Tandem, and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him and his team. They're amazing. But I don't think that even the documentaries would have happened had I waited. I think I would have done everything differently had I waited until I had $100,000 and then started. So my advice is just do it. Don't wait until the perfect time. There's not a perfect time. There is never going to be a perfect time. So just do it and just let it roll and see where it goes because it will surprise you. It's like you were planted because I say that on so many episodes that it's just like, you know, I would have never I would have never started this company. I would have never started this podcast had my friend not harassed me to do it and said, you're making 
excuses and we're going to record next week and you're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, fine, we'll do it. But it's so interesting because like you can't predict life. Nobody would have predicted a pandemic or just like all the craziness that has ensued in the last three years now at this point. But it's just and I ugh, great piece of advice because I agree with it. And I'm just sitting here like smirking this entire podcast for those who can't who haven't watched a video of it. But it's just so funny because it's so true. And Kate, I'm so excited to see where you take one girl when you have everything just like, you know, two years from now and everything that it's just going to continue to grow. So thank you so much for being on this podcast, despite all the technical issues we had, but we got it done. So I appreciate it. We did. Angela, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful for this time and just grateful for all that you do. Thank you for everything that you do, including this podcast. It's a gift to the world. Oh, you are the best. I just wish I could. I'm going to give you a hug next time I see you. Yes. And for those of you listening, if you want to follow Kate's story, support One Girl Revolution, all of her links, watch her documentaries that are Emmy nominated and a few in the works. So you can follow her on social media and everything else in the show notes. And thank you again for tuning in to another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.